Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode. On this one, I'm going to be talking with Brad Luttrell from Go Wild about social media and hunting. Obviously, social media has had a big impact on a lot of people's lives over the last decade or so. And unfortunately for us as hunters, social media doesn't always see hunting as a good thing. In this conversation, Brad and I talk a lot about the impacts that social media has on hunting and how important it is for us to band together to fight social media censorship. If you're a consistent podcast listener, you've probably heard me talk about the social media platform Go Wild. There's a lot of different ways that social media can censor us as hunters, but Go Wild is basically just a safe place for hunters. It's a free social media community and None of your photos are going to be censored, and anything related to hunting is encouraged on Go Wild. As we talk about in this podcast, we just think it's important for hunters to have a place on social media where they can talk freely about their interests of hunting. You can also buy gear on Go Wild, and you can share your trophies, gear reviews, and Go Wild will give you points for that. So by gaining those points, you can unlock awesome rewards, which can get you huge discounts on different brands, gift cards, free swag, knives, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So check the description of this podcast or visit downloadgowild.com to get started. With that being said, let's get Brad on the line and start talking about social media and its impacts on hunting. Yo. What's up, man? Not much. How you doing? Doing well. What are you up to, man? What's going on? Oh, man. I just got back from uh, vacation. Got to do a little fishing, which was always fun. It's like my once a year go at saltwater. I know it's a hunting show, but like, yeah, I like yeah. to get out and saltwater fish a little bit. So I uh, got my first go at sharks and uh, stingrays. It was fun. Uh, they're fun to catch, but like I was really hoping to get good edible uh, <laughs> things to come back with, and, and stingray wasn't on the list. But um yeah, man, just uh, grinding over here. Go out. It's my first day back, and so I'm I'm like getting reacquainted. I really took like a pretty hard vacation of trying to disconnect and everything. So I'm I'm learning about everything that happened in a week. We're a startup, so like a week here is is like a full two months at a regular <laughs> company. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. So uh, where where exactly are you from, or where do so you? I'm from I'm from southeastern Kentucky, um, fairly close to where all the flooding and everything is going on right now which is super tragic, but I was born in Harlan County. I grew up in Bell County and Harlan County both. And so I'm, I'm in Louisville now. Um, you know, the whole company, Go Wild's based here. I've been here for 12 years and, and love, I just love Kentucky. I've only lived out of Kentucky for nine months yeah. <laughs> of my life. So I, I came right back. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm from Ohio originally, so I know a little of Kentucky. Not as much as I want, but at some point I'm sure I'll learn more about the state. Yeah, depending on what part of Ohio you're from, it, they're very similar in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And even even like the cities, you know, Cincinnati in itself feels very much more aligned with like a Louisville where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a difference between, I don't know if you call that Midwest or what, but those cities versus going to like a San Francisco or New York. Yeah, know, for sure. Quite a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I, I never can decide what I want to call Ohio kentucky it's like kind of midwest kind of east it's like right at the line you know yeah well see where i'm from i never knew that kentucky wasn't southern growing up because i grew up in appalachian mountains i I grew up where i was born was two hours from an interstate you know if you want to go to the hospital for anything serious it's a two-hour drive and so it was southern and then i moved Mm -hmm. to louisville well actually i spent time in lexington i went to university of kentucky 
that's where I met my wife, and uh, which is why I'm now in Louisville. And Louisville's definitely got that. Like we have a complex about it. We don't know if we we want to be southern when it comes to <laughs> hospitality and food, but there's certain things that the city itself doesn't want to be aligned with. So they mm-hmm. want to be more western, and they think they're progressive. So we're definitely in a little bit of an identity crisis here. <laughs> well, and then, like western Kentucky starts to break into what I consider your classic Midwest farm country. So it's like flat flattens out, it's rolling hills. And then like we're three hours from St. Louis from Louisville. So like St. Louis is definitely Midwest, right? Like, you know, so, so it's definitely right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting part about like that area of the country. If you kind of take Ohio down the middle and just go straight South, it's like, yeah, identity crisis is a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I just don't really enjoy being in that type of country because I spent a lot of time in, um, Ohio. I went to Ohio university and that's where I really, I'd say I really fell in love with big public land opportunities. And uh, you can find that kind of in Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, all over the board. So yeah, it's it's funny because I kind of got into a a debate one time with a guy who was talking about how little public land opportunity Kentucky has. I'm like, well, it depends on where you are, man. Like Mm -hmm. where I'm from, I grew up uh, like a, a rock's throw from public land and there's tens of thousands of acres that you can tap into right by my parents' house and tons of opportunity there. Now, some of it, like the more accessible stuff gets pressured. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've found, and I, I'll just throw it out there now. I'm not like some, you know, I'm not a Beaumar tonic who's out there playing <laughs> big wood bucks. Like I, I like to hunt. I think I'm I've got a good understanding of it. I'm, I'm decent, but also not as not like right there is where I would put me with my mm-hmm. knowledge base. So I'll just throw that out there now so that people aren't like just waiting with pen and pencil to start taking notes. <laughs> uh, but like I found, uh, I really enjoy getting into some of the areas that you're either not allowed to get in with vehicles or whatnot. And it's like, it's just more fun. You may see fewer deer. What's interesting is that area um, can produce some really big bucks back in those remote areas that are inaccessible but there's not a lot of deer back in there. You know, mm-hmm. it's very different from where I hunt here in near Louisville. I mean, we've got so many deer. I mean, the licensing is basically like you can just kill deer in perpetuity because there's so many of them, yeah. right? Uh, and now just the does, we have a one buck tag for the state still, but like we are so overpopulated with deer up here versus the other end of the state, which is a different Kentucky manages via zones. Mm-hmm. And it's so different to drive three hours down into the Appalachian mountains and see the impact and the population there. Um, and I don't fully, I know like there was some disease that came through several years ago and they kind of blamed it on that. But even now it's just very different terrain and different, mm-hmm. different population and habitat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, what's cool about the state too, is like, there's just so much variation you can be hunting in all those different areas. You can find some sort of public land and all of it. And I, I want to explore more of it. I've only been in really a tiny bit of it, but as the years go on, it's close to, close enough to where I have like kind of a home home base, I guess, because I got friends and family that still are in Ohio. So yeah. it's, it's almost in my mind, while I, I'm technically a resident of Colorado, in my mind, it's almost like a neighboring state still because I spend so much time <laughs> back, yeah. In, back yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, catch a quick flight, you can be out here in no time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The, Kentucky's interesting, though, because we've got an area on the western end of the state, you know, we've got a lot of lakes. There's that area land between the lakes yep. where, you know, you can almost get like that swamp deer vibe out there you know mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of guys who have hunted that and uh they'll do it they'll go in by boat or something and you can get that out in the western part of the state 
you know, you come where I am and, you know, you can shoot big deer over corn, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like putting out corn. I just mean we have so many cornfields right. in the middle of the state because of the bourbon, right? Yeah. Like, um, so there's tons of cornfields. The deer get big here. The biggest deer I've ever seen in my life are right around our office, funny enough, um, <laughs> just fattening up. Um, but but there, so there's that opportunity. Then you can go out and have that mountain, as much of an, a mountain adventure as you can get on the east end of the country, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, it's not Colorado. It's not, uh, you know, uh, backcountry 20 mile hike uh, that you're going to do out west but it is it, it, it can kick your butt you mm -hmm. know with the elevation and everything I mean you'll you can do a thousand feet of elevation in, in a day if you want to yeah oh yeah definitely definitely we we uh in our turkey hunting days I'd say we've we covered some thousand foot days for sure <laughs> it's oh, like yeah crazy how crazy because it's just up and down all day oh, yeah up and down yeah, even even like not even adding up all the elevation climb you do, you can climb 1,200 feet, you know, from from parking to top, mm -hmm. and then you and you may end up climbing throughout the day, like you said with the ups and downs, you may do 2,000. Yeah, total yeah, climb. it's yeah, it's fun. It's fun country. It definitely is uh, challenging, and sometimes feels like you can just be beating your head against the wall trying to find critters and that stuff. It's like sometimes it's like nothing 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 then when you finally hit it it can be sweet but some days it's stressful i've had oh some. yeah man one of one of my favorite deer i've killed was still um you know it was on private down there but it uh tucked into some public and it I, first time i'd ever really um gotten a deer by myself you know uh -huh. I, I i admittedly i grew up uh hunting and fishing but mostly small game you know squirrel hunting mm -hmm. and so i got into deer hunting in my adult life and the I, I got into it with a, another guy and he was taking me hunting. And mm -hmm. so there's a big difference when somebody else is doing all the hard work and you're basically showing up at their tree stand or whatever, and then you got to go do it on your own. Yeah. You, know, you find out really quickly how, how much you know or don't know. And one of my favorite deer uh, is hanging out in our office here because it was, well, and it was the summer that I thought of Go Wild and was working on Go Wild and trying to get that off the ground. and. Uh, it's out in the, our office, just an eight point, you know, but it was, a, uh, I think it was three and a half year old eight point. I had a game warden that was there when I, I actually had it, just took it to a processor to get it done. And he, he kind of looked at it, but super proud of that deer because it's so hard down there. It's so pressured, mm -hmm. um, you know, even on a private spot, I was only on 30 acres. It's not like I was hunting a 4,000 acre ranch, right. um, you know, but, um, it, it can be really tough hunting, but that's also what can make it really rewarding for mm -hmm. you. For sure. For sure. Cool. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about just social media and hunting because obviously that's kind of what the focus of what you do is. And I feel like it's just one of those topics that a lot of people have a varying opinions about. And I guess depending on what, you know, within the topic we're talking about, I see, you know, positives and negatives. And I just, I guess, was curious to hear your opinion on you know, what social media and hunting means to you. So it's probably worth just because people are like, who's this random guy that showed up uh, <laughs> on, on here to talk? Like, who am I to answer that question? Sure. I guess would be worth, um, worth answering that first. So I noticed back in 2016 that Facebook in particular had become a not so fun place to share your dead deer, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I was working corporate life. I had a nine to five desk. I was a desk jockey working at an advertising agency and had had several experiences, including one time with my boss, like openly mocking me on Facebook for killing a deer. Right. And Jeez. it's like, man, 
you know, I this sucks that I can't talk about something that I really enjoy, that I put so much time into learning how to do, and I'm proud of being able to do this on my own now. Um, it seems like I should be able to talk about these things with people that get it. Mm -hmm. And so that sparked the idea for Go Wild um, and, and realizing that, you know, at the time, it's so hard to believe, but at the time we thought it was the worst year in social media uh, that you could imagine, right? You got the Trump, <laughs> Trump Hillary elections going yeah. on, people are being really nasty to each other. Uh, it seems like it could not get worse. Little did we know 2020 would happen, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, it took like, definitely took the cake on worst year in social media history. But at the time, uh, we made a big bet that if Facebook was going to allow this harassment that was happening to hunters, it was going to get worse. Yeah. It, it has. Yeah. So uh, me and three other guys, you know, started working on our own social media app for hunters and anglers in, our, in our, uh, my basement, built it on nights and weekends, and we eventually launched, launched it with Go Wild. Um, so that's, that's my background. I've spent all my time since then working on this. You know, my, I was a advertising guy before that. I, one of my, my first job in an advertising agency in 2011, I was a social media coordinator, which now people call a community manager. I've been in social media for, um, professionally the last 11 years, um, off and on through advertising, even in college though, you know, I, I started in college right as Facebook was getting started. And so I've, I've come up through that era. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I now, with Go Wild, I've spoken at SHOT Show um, on panels about this stuff. I've spoken at the Professional Outdoor Media Association, which is an industry group. You know, I've kind of become known as like this curmudgeon guy who hates Facebook, who <laughs> hates, you know, Instagram and everything. Um, because I, we've we've had a long go at it, man. I mean, mm -hmm. my, my company got kicked off of Facebook twice last year for advertising binoculars, literally binoculars, you know. Um, so we, we fought that battle. We've been banned from advertising on YouTube before. We've been banned from advertising on TikTok. Um, just recently, I, my own personal account got uh, throttled hard on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and they told me they were limiting my distri distribution because they didn't see my content as being professional. And it's not like I, I actually never share dead deer photos on my LinkedIn. I'm, I'm usually talking about the building of the business. It's not even that much about the hunting industry, but this is the stuff we deal with, right? Yeah. Like it's, and a, a lot of people, this is happening less and less when I talk about this stuff. A lot of people don't realize this stuff happens because they aren't dealing with it in a business setting, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, a Bass Pro can come in and they can get away with things that smaller companies like us can't because they've got the money. Facebook right. will turn a blind eye when you've got the, the money to fund, you know, the advertisements. But with the money that we were spending, uh, you know, they they didn't care as much. So we just got completely banned for trying to sell Vortex binoculars. And the ad got flagged and it was deemed a weapon. And... You know, uh, bird watchers have no idea that they're carrying around such a, <laughs> right. you know, an aggressive <laughs> weapon, right? Like, like we were completely shocked. And, uh, you know, at the time we were dependent on that revenue for, as a company. And so mm -hmm. these aren't little decisions, you know, at SHOT Show, uh, I had, after I spoke on a panel with um, a couple social media influencers and a guy who worked at Facebook prior, um, she stood up and she's like, we're struggling to get sales because we can't, we, we've been kicked off Facebook. And it's like, it really hurts your heart to know that people's livelihood is getting wiped out by this stuff. But it's like, what do you even tell her? You know, mm -hmm. it's like you're digging your own grave if that's where you're trying to put all your money into. So that's that's kind of my background with like what I've dealt with, where I've been. Um, I, the, was, the question was more of like, what's the state, right? Like that, yeah. that kind of lays some of the landscape. 
uh, things are interesting right now because a lot of people are turning to TikTok. TikTok's fun, right? Like, what's so bad about TikTok? And I, hey, I've, I've played around with it too. It's, you, you can get a lot of followers fast. Um, but they are hyper aggressive on censorship. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, literally, it's in their terms that if you upload a picture of a firearm, they can just delete the content. Mm-hmm. And they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my first posts uh, that I put up got deleted. And people will say, yeah, but I, I follow, you know, White Birch Armory and they post stuff. And I know her. She does post great content. I don't know how she's getting away with it right now. Maybe they've eased up on her account. But, uh, you know, that they have some really strict rules that, and they will flat out delete you. Mm-hmm. On the panel I was talking about, I was uh, speaking with um, Melissa Bachman, who got deleted for a couple silly things. One of the posts she had deleted before her whole account was taken down, her son had a water pistol and it got flagged as a firearm and it, and it got deleted and that so that that was probably an automated thing like it, they have artificial intelligence that scans your image and sees what you're what it what they what it recognizes so a, a computer basically flagged that post and took it down but um you know a human probably reviewed her account right. and said, no we don't want you here right so there's a lot of that going on man. yeah and, oh uh, so much so much. I'm sure you all deal with it too. Yeah. You, I mean, you have to, with the, especially on the YouTube side. Well, last year, YouTube demonetized. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how that affected you guys. I haven't gotten, I know our team talks to you every now and then. Um, but but did you guys get see any effect of that last year? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy extreme, but it definitely has gotten to where we have to pay attention to like how much blood is in a video because it's one of those things that'll trigger, you know, the computer robot, whatever you want to call it, that's looking over these things. And then somebody reviews it and we've had pretty good luck with, you know, once we actually get to talk to somebody, but we've definitely, definitely over the last probably two years seen more of an increase in that just censorship in some way and they'll just demonetize it to where it's like okay all these other videos pretty much have the same stuff in it but then boom that one yeah. that one video triggers something wrong and that's why and then, and then you get a human looking at your account and like oh they're like oh it's this video too it's this video too right. and you'll lose, yeah. you know 12 videos my buddy just uh he's a saltwater guide mm-hmm. and i went fishing with him last year and he got a notification that 12 of his videos were deemed um, sexually inappropriate or something like that. <laughs> and they just deleted this whole account. This guy literally catches fish and posts about fish. And so I guess like Red Snapper, I don't know, something about that triggered the bot review. And thankfully, um, through some connections, we were able to get his account back because, again, he's, it's his livelihood. You yeah. Know? That's how he markets his business. Right. And you know, you feel bad for these people, have, but you're, you, unless you know somebody, and I mean back channel no, you're not going to call up Facebook. You're not right. going you know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, unless you've got a rep who you've either had contact with before, or you just happen to know somebody through a friend or something, you're not getting it back. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Hey, are you, do you have a um, mic on your headphones or something? Something no, I hear is, is brushing, it sounds like. I wasn't even on the right mic. Dude, so that's going to be this pivot of like quality of audio. So, <laughs> well, that's all right too. <laughs> yeah, people are going to be like, "Man, he sounds a lot better now." Sorry, sorry, dude. I've been out of the office for a week, and I haven't done one of these in a while. So, oh, it's it's hilarious because it's it's uh, probably I mean, sounds night and day different. Oh, night and day different, and I mean, we're rolling for all of it. So now everybody yeah. just knows. Well. You're on the wrong mic, and it's all good. Yeah, it's all good, man. I uh, they'll they'll know that this is like not at all. Uh, none of this is made up because I, I'm I'm too dumb to even work a mic. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy wouldn't be smart enough to make up any of this stuff. Oh, for, man, it's, it really is hilarious how much better it is now. We're good oh, now. Bet. I was like... Yeah, I bet. And it was, you were it was, probably... Here in my, uh, it, it was rubbing against my shirt. That's what it was. It was I could tell it was something brushing on something. Yeah. And it, Sorry, it, guys. <laughs> Hope you made it this far. <laughs> All right. It really wasn't even that bad there to last like 20 seconds there. Yeah. I got animated. I got excited talking about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. If I were to throw in, you know, we talked about uh, the state of things and and where they're going. Um, a lot of the problems, and I want to throw this out there because people who get it think a lot. There's there's some people that think it's not real, even if they hunt. They're like, I post deer pictures all the time and right. I don't have problems. It's like, well, you have 12 followers. You know, it's like, <laughs> of course you don't. Yeah. Or even if you have 300 followers, you're still reaching 10% of that audience at most, most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so if if you could do the math, you're probably not offending that many people to get reported like this. That's what these big accounts like Seek One last year when they got taken down or demonetized for a period of time. Yep. Um, they have enough reach to where they're going to touch accounts that are offended by their content right. right it's the same with you guys you're you probably have posts that get taken down from time to time or at least get that like automated censored thing um the the, the real problem with this there's you know on the, uh, the a lot of people on the other end of the camp say like oh we're always censored they hate us and like some of that's probably true you know it's silicon valley there's a lot of vegans there's a lot of people that probably do very much disagree with our lifestyle but there is a muddy gray area that people don't understand facebook is dealing with you know, um, cartel recruitment. They're dealing with murders, suicides, live streamed murders and suicides and, and guns. They don't know what to do with guns because they can be owned legally. Mm -hmm. um, all of this is a gray area. And in fact, last year, the stat was that they got it wrong. I mean, wrong 200,000 times a day. I don't know, but I don't even know what that looks like. Like that, I can't even fathom looking at 200,000 pieces. That That is a small fraction. They get it right like 90 some percent of the time, but that still means that 200,000 times a day they get it wrong, right? So the problem that we have is that we have an audience that is reviewing our content and, and trying to decide if this is good or not, legal or not. And they, not only do they not even understand ethical hunting, they don't understand firearms. They don't understand bows and all the things that we get in trouble for. This is like one little thing out of the, all this other stuff that is worlds more dangerous than what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the problem is that when they review a piece of hunting content, they don't know if it's poaching or animal cruelty right. and they don't have time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's truly like the biggest part of the problem is that we are so misunderstood. We get lumped in with the murderers, mm -hmm. the suicides, the the people that torture animals. Right. And and they don't have the capacity to fix it because they get it wrong 200,000 times a day. Again, that was last year. God knows what that number is up to now. Mm -hmm. um, they have 60,000 people that work for this company. And again, this was last year's number. I'm not sure where it's at now. But they, they get like 30 to 90 seconds to review content and make a decision if it hits them. A lot of times it's automated. And, and if a human can't tell if it's animal cruelty, you know AI can't tell. And so a lot of this stuff truly is just we're getting lumped in with bad actors. And there's not a whole lot we can do about that. And mm -hmm. that's not going to get better because there, there's when they look, you look at the grand scheme of everything that's going on. I mean, Facebook can swing an election and I, I don't mean to go down that road, but I'm just saying that's the power of what's at hand here. Yeah. You know, look at how much, the, um, you know, the Russians could get into like all those are real, real concerns when you're mm -hmm. talking about democracy, right? At the core of, of uh, what our country's founded on, they don't, they don't care 
if if you your post was you know ethical hunting or poaching they're not dealing with that so when we talk about the status of hunting and social media that's really where what we're dealing with is that you know we can scream about it all we want we're using their platforms for god's sakes to complain yeah. about their platforms right. like, like what else are we going to do you know mm. so I, I always like to try to just share that so that people at least have a little bit of context and be like man i've never thought about the fact that like facebook is dealing with cartel recruitment mm. or you know or or literally uh 32 of teen suicide attempts are attributed to social media six percent are attributed to instagram and they think that number is small mm-hmm. you know like that's they're just we're, we're so far down out of their purview yeah and so the biggest problem with social media and hunting is that they just don't care and they don't have time to think about us yeah. you know yeah so it's like what, the reason i say that is because now you can start to say like man it's not going to get better no, because we yeah. like we, we we live in this space you and i think about hunting all the time you know deer season's coming you're already mapping out when you're going to go what, mm. what what you're planning your vacations and all that stuff right but for them this is like not at, ever on their right they, they think like the binocular thing is a great example it's like it got flagged and it's like i'm not even digging into they, that yeah, you guys you guys have some guns on your website i'm not even trying to figure out if you actually sell guns or not yeah. right yeah and and i think the scary part from you know a hunter's perspective is well how easily they can just turn off our lifestyle right it's like that's what's so scary when you're looking at it you're like oh man this is what i love to do this is what you know i think about all the time it's i mean it's all around me all the time it's what i think about every single day and just to think that so easily social media can just wipe it away is 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 pretty crazy and pretty scary and i think that you know just always jumps out to me as something that I feel, it makes me feel helpless, I suppose, for the most part is, is the best way to explain it. Because when there's censorship on such major platforms, because let's be honest, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, those are, I mean, as big of a platform as any news or, you know, any way of getting a news source, I guess, right? So it's like those yep. are huge platforms. And when they can just you know, say, oh, well, we just don't care about this at all. That's that's where it gets scary. And um, I just always think of, like, learning about in school how dangerous censorship can be. And, like, I feel like it just happens right in front of our eyes daily. And it's just pretty damn scary <laughs> is what it comes yeah. down to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting because, I mean, everybody has probably heard, if, not, if nothing else, through memes. Like, a lot of people get their news through memes, which yeah. is kind of a sad state of it, it is. It is. <laughs> but, but. Uh, but, you know, everybody knows at this point that Elon Musk tried to buy Twitter. Now there's, you know, they're in this lawsuit, uh, Twitter suing Elon to say, no, you have to buy us because you signed a contract. So what's interesting, though, was how much outcry there was from politicians who said, oh, we, we don't want a billionaire to own our social platforms. And I'm like, billionaires have always owned our social platforms. You know, do you think Mark Zuckerberg is not a billionaire? Do you think Jack, <laughs> you know, do you think Jack Dorsey is not a billionaire? I mean, Jack, Jack Dorsey's sitting on more billions of dollars than, than most billionaires will ever fathom. And Zach, for anybody who doesn't know, Jack Dorsey was the CEO of Twitter up until recently. Um, you know, 
no one had a whole lot of outcry when when they're running the ship. Now there are complaints, and Elizabeth Warren, to be fair, has complained about Facebook. But to say like it's dangerous to have this billionaire controlling things, it, to me, it was very clear. It's that we don't we don't want him because we think he's going to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. This is where a lot of the danger uh, around Silicon Valley driving so much of our method for communication is right. You know, we're, we're, we're living in this world where if you think back 20 years ago, if you and I wanted to talk, you would have had to call me on a landline. We would have spoken, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe we have a car phone, right? Maybe we're up to that speed. Uh, but the actually, gosh, I guess cell phones were more normal than, than that. Uh, I think I had a cell phone 20 years ago. That's, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but let's go 30 years ago just to be safe and say, you would have called me on a landline, right? Um, that was uh, no matter what we talked about that was protected under a common carrier meaning we it, the phone lines can't dictate what we talk about today we're in a, an environment where all this conversation happens on these social platforms and there's this big discussion of are they publishers are they common carriers uh, you know and the common carrier argument is basically saying should they be allowed to regulate what you're allowed to say now, you know, there is a point where things can become dangerous. And, it, you know, I think there's a scale that we would all agree, like, oh, my gosh, this person needs to be checked on because yeah. a lot of these even these these school shootings and stuff, it goes back to like nobody said anything. And this was posted on Facebook. Right. There's a point where it's like I think everybody would say I agree with interfere inter- intervening at that point. Right. But we're at a point now. This skews so far to the liberal side of the house mm-hmm. that, and again, I'm not getting political on anybody. I promise. Um, but I'm, uh, this is the state of things. Is that, and it's because Silicon Valley makes up the rules that trains these these bots, this AI, these forty thousand people that are working on they're, they're reviewing content. You know, um, it it all gets designed by one ideology, and and you know, the, and and that's where I, it's really concerning to me. Um, even TikTok coming along, you know, TikTok for anybody who doesn't know, it's coming out of China. Um, you know, the, the total flip of the concern over there, they're designing an algorithm and telling us what we can see. And I haven't seen this cause I'm not living in China, but I've heard that if Chinese kids pull up their app, uh, they're getting served like cool science experiments and things that make them smarter. Meanwhile, our kids are getting served up like dances and ways to be dumber, you know, Uh, and and like this sounds like it's not a big deal, but imagine the power of being able to, you know, propagate what or put out anything you want and and to and it's it's not hard, guys. I mean, I we we are a social app, too, not at that scale, but like you can control content, right? Um, It's it. This is when you start thinking about this stuff, you're like, man. The book 1984 didn't go nearly as far as where we're actually at, right? Like this thing could always be listening to me, you know. Mm-hmm. There is, and, and the scary thing about China is, and I'm, I'm going like people are now are like this guy's full blown conspiracy theory, but this is all true. This is like even Eric Schmidt from Google has has had these concerns. the The Chinese government can basically just take the data from TikTok at any time. That's basically if you operate in China as a business. They can come in, they can say, this data is ours now, and they have literally hundreds of millions of American faces, they have your geolocation, they have all this stuff, right? So, like, we, we, we're we living in a world that I don't think we fully understood anyways, and then hunters are down here like, yeah, but I want to talk about deer hunting and be able to post about it. And yeah. It's like, yeah, man, it's, like, really important, but there's so much other stuff going on, we're never going to get attention for it. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's why I share all this stuff is just to say, like, I know it's really important, mm-hmm. but it's like if we wait on the other side to come up with a solution, it's never going to happen. Literally never going to happen, which right. is why we found a go out and we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. is to try to give a place where 
you can at least connect with people. I don't ever want to replace your Facebook. That's not mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. I don't, I don't think that'll ever happen. You know, um, I mean, we, we connect with a lot of people that have deleted it or actually funny enough, never even been on Facebook or YouTube. They never felt comfortable. Um, but most people are going to keep posting on Instagram. They're going to post on Twitter or TikTok, whatever it is, you know, and we're fine with that, but we want to be a place where, you know, you can post and share, you got your deer this year and it was a little bloody because sometimes hunting's bloody, right? And you're not going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think stuff like that's a great resource for hunters. Just understanding to like how easily things can be skewed in media. I had an eye-opening moment in my life when I first started like making professionally making hunting videos. It was just like, oh, like I see how this is all done to make you think one thing. You know what I mean? It's like it's all supposed to look exactly this way, and it you know it, it's so easy to manipulate things in media. You know, yeah. it, it, I mean, like, even just the music. Right. I mean, like, I, I remember I, I went to journalism school. I know mm-hmm. that's kind of a surprise for people. They're like, wait, the tech CEO went to journalism school, but I did. And um, I remember at the beginning, or I, I was there 2005, 2009, and it was a heated debate on whether or not we should use music in news videos because it, it sets a mood yeah. that does not exist in writing, right? Mm-hmm. It do, And it does not exist in photography. And so the, the whole... We, we called it mixed media or multimedia. Now it's just video. Um, but like there was all this convergence conversation around how we we're going to treat this. And, you know, I remember having an argument with a professor uh, who was advocating like, you, you should not use music because it's going to control you. You were deciding what that moment felt like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, our, our, you know, our ethics are so out the window now what is it 15 years later 20 oh my god i don't want to think about it um you know uh but now all these years not really not that long in the span of journalism right uh when you look at journalism history it's been a fraction but you know a mere 10 years later and it's like oh my god how how that thought has changed the concerns that you just laid out you know a lot of people are just like oh yeah i want to set the vibe that this was really fun and you mm-hmm. can make a hunt that was like brutally long and miserable seem like it was just awesome and epic and you know you cut it down to three minutes and it's the best freaking <laughs> three minutes of that nine days yeah. right yeah and like, that's exactly people, what i mean it's like you take this whole you take this whole mood this whole attitude and and you can and you can spin it any way that you really want it to go yeah and, and it's like it wasn't necessarily anything that i was doing was anything extreme but i started you just realized you could yeah that's what i that's what i was (laughs) gonna say it's like i could i could just make this look you can literally chop people's words up and scramble them in any way that you want and that can go any and that can go anywhere so it's like how dangerous why do you think reality tv leans on voiceover so much yeah you know it's like they were stranded for three days. <laughs> it's like, were they? I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, it's like... Because it, it kind of seems like they weren't. <laughs> the, the whole mood, the whole attitude, like individual attitude, I mean, that can be skewed. Like with the hunting, it, it's, it has always been comical to me. Like you said, with music, for example, it's just like, oh, this we're going on this whitetail hunt, basically, that's on the back 40 in the backyard, and it's this epic, event, you know, and it's just yeah, like, yeah. It's, it, you can see the house, you know, it's like, yeah. is, that, is it really that crazy, you know? Yeah. It's, it, do we need this dramatic music? Are we trying to make people cry here? You know, it's just... It's like, why do you have a camelback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just so, it's just so, uh, 
so ridiculous sometimes. But then I started thinking about just in general, media in general, not just hunting. I was like, man, like, how could you ever even, I mean, truly believe anything? I don't, and, you know, I don't want to sound too, go down too far down the rabbit hole of like, you can't trust anything. But at the same time, I mean, media has complete control over the way that you're going to feel about something it seems like you know what i mean yeah i mean dude there's a famous um this was a few years ago but there was a famous shot of i want to say it was anderson cooper covering a, a hurricane and he was standing in water up to his knees on the shot and and then there was a guy walked by and like flip-flops behind him and it kind of killed the whole vibe of like this is so crazy and there's another photograph from that scene where he's standing in a ditch it wasn't flooding you know and it's like from a tight controlled space they had made it seem like it was really bad and cnn took a lot of flack over it you know Mm -hmm. and um you know, it was really one of the first first times I saw like how biased CNN is, as mm-hmm. as most news publications have been right. outed for being at this point. As I said, ethics have kind of long been out the window. Um, but you know, there is a I, I've written about this, and I took some flack over this recently of of the ethics that um, you know we put a lot of pressure on content creators to go out and perform because we want that weekly video or monthly video or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and um, it's created some really you know, um, some, some really questionable content and and content creators out there. And there's some that have been busted for poaching. There's some that have, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, um, some questionable, or I've talked to people that will say stuff and you're like, really, that's so gross. You know, you, when you find out, and I know, you know, these people too, Mm -hmm. because you just kind of end up talking to people through the industry. Um, but even like uh, my buddy one time was at an event and he was, uh, teaching, um, some cooking, like how to how to cook something, and mm-hmm. there were um, three influencers there, and he shot a deer, and they took turn posing with the deer to post it on social media, and it's like that is so gross to me. Yeah, but, you know what the consumer the consumer will say, shame on you, you shouldn't do that to me, but they don't understand like you're, you're driving all of this, like mm-hmm. the, all of this kind of is this cyclical thing that uh i don't i don't think people realize how much they contribute to it yeah you know yeah and and i don't know if it was exactly the same time frame it might have been a couple years later it probably was about 2018 for me but i started feeling um almost just within the hunting community and just i mean all topics in general but on facebook specifically i was like i gotta get out of this (laughs) <laughs> and I still have a Facebook account, but like, I don't, and I guess I, I guess technically I may fa- post to my Facebook through like Instagram, I guess. I think it does both, but like, it just became this bicker fight constantly. Yeah. Like literally within, you know, a hunting page, it's just turns into bickering. And it, yeah, it just to me, like that itself is like, okay, like if we really have a problem with censorship like banding together is certainly the the first step to success if we're gonna ever gonna find it which like you said it may not ever get better but like at least being together versus yeah yeah just sitting there for the record i don't think we should roll over and die i probably should have said that like i made it sound like it's doom and gloom but i just want to like Facebook's not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? Hunting's awesome. (laughs) Like Mark Zuckerberg may go off and shoot pigs in his farm in Hawaii, 
that happens already. Like he, he he's not going to roll over tomorrow because they look at what is going to be most favorable, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you know I don't think we should roll over and die. In fact, um, I, the the article I was kind of mentioned that I took flack over recently by some. It was mostly well accepted. Was a, a rebuttal to Matt Ranella's post about. Um, you know, that, that we should unfollow our hunting influencers and stop posting about hunting on social media. And I, I think that's like, and again, I, I, I'll say, or, or I'll say, I don't know Matt personally, um, seems really smart. I've heard him on a lot of podcasts before, but I think that's asinine. Like, mm-hmm. I just think that's insane to think that we, we, if we think that the best thing for hunting's future is to stop talking about it, yeah. you know, what, what we really need to be focused on is how we all collectively present hunting, which is what you were kind of going into mm-hmm. a second ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, anybody that's got, uh, got a Sportsman's Alliance membership, you know, 35 bucks a year, and you get, you get to support hunting, first of all. They're, they're the most, they probably legislate more than any other group for hunting rights. And if you get their emails once a week or once a month or whenever they send them out, just open it up. There's usually five, six articles in there, and it's just the these are the the top highlight reel of all the things that are being it's legislation against hunting. And it's I think people think they're going to wake up one day and there'll be a vote where it says, "Do you agree with hunting? Yes or no?" And and obviously people would just say, "Yeah, that's cool," but that's not how it happens. Yeah. It's it's you know we want to ban bear hunting with dogs. Or we want to ban a spring bear season or a fall bear season, and little by little, that's that's how we lose hunting. Yep. And and so you know to stop talking about hunting on social media is is to say that we're not going to advocate for this. We're not going to share. Honestly, all the we should be sharing all the things we don't talk about enough. You know, mm-hmm. the the trophy photo is honestly not helping our case. I'm not saying you can't do it, right? But you you should also complement that with the adventure, which you guys do really well, by the way. Thanks. Um, you know, the food. You know, I love people that talk about like this. Yeah, man, the neck roast. You know, share something that people don't even know. I had yeah. a guy tell me the other day he shoots deer in the neck, and I'm like, yeah, but you're blowing out your neck roast every time you do that. And he's like, what? You know, it's like mind blown that you can eat the neck. And I'm like, yeah, it's one of the best parts of the deer for like to make awesome barbecue with that. You can slow cook it down. Um, so you know, but trying to advocate for all these things and then talking about the conservation. And if you don't know how your licenses go into conservation, you should research that and mm-hmm. tell people about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's uh. It, it it's not i'm not the whole podcast is not to say that we should just roll over and die mm-hmm. in fact it's the opposite of that we should we should bond together like you said yeah. stop arguing about compound bows versus crossbows stop arguing about public land versus private <laughs> land hunters stop arguing about even like being too crowded mm-hmm. that was the th- other thing you know um a lot of what matt was talking about was like yeah i'm sure it is crowded out there where you are you know you've got there's been a lot of attention on um out west and it's you know the the non-resident tags have been through the roof and i guarantee you that the problems you're talking about um are real but it's such a small percentage you know Uh, i think i think to to just just to butt in with my opinion i guess a little bit on that one is it's your show (laughs) well it's i i i see what uh you're talking about with being crowded and absolutely you know that's that's gonna happen with a higher interest in hunting you know we've always talked about trying to get more hunters involved so that is straight up in our mission as a goal is to keep people interested to get people out there because in our opinion the more people that care about it the more people there are going to be there to stand up to fight when they're trying to take those rights away so more hunters, in our opinion, is better. I think to say that you know 
wiping off, you know, wiping off all these influencers like, and I, and I actually know nothing about, I, I've heard, you know, through the grapevine a little bit about the Matt Ranella thing, but I've never dove into it personally because, um, I, it's, it's a long, I, I, I wrote a big rebuttal. So I listened to like all eight hours of the podcast and I read his blog or his piece, which is like 4,000 words long. So mm-hmm. it's an investment. Yeah. If well, you do. And, and, and I guess through my, I guess what I assume is, is kind of happening there is, is that, you know, this influence or this influence to get out in the woods and, and hunt public land is bad because it's putting too much, you know, use on the landscape. And the, the problem that I see with that is, is that to me just seems so selfish. Like yeah. to say that there's too many people out there and, you know, we should have never got these people involved and, you know, to stop influencing people to be out there. Like, that just seems selfish to me because, because yeah, from my personal hunting experience, yeah, I'd rather never see anybody ever again, but that's not realistic, <laughs> you know, right. it's just not. And to sit here and expect that would just be selfish, I think. To say, well, and that's a short-term gain. Yeah. You, 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 let's say you never see Works anybody Works for me. <laughs> yeah, but it, only in the short term because eventually you're going to get outvoted. Mm-hmm. That's where the whole the whole case, um, you know, and, and if I could summarize, again, Matt's an intelligent guy. I don't mean to – I hope people understand I'm not trying to bash Matt. Yeah, uh, not me but either. The, yeah, but the – but the um, I, I do agree that his position on this one thing is selfish. And, and that, you know, he said he wanted half as many hunters. That was his guess of how many he needed. Dude, you're talking about absolutely destroying the voting uh, population when it comes to hunting. Um, the other thing, too, and, and actually I should explain why that's important because people mm-hmm. don't uh, always get that. We, sh- we need not only more people voting for hunting, we need more people outside of the demographic that we have, which is white and male. Yeah. You know, we are 97% white, which is not reflective of the voting population in the country. Mm-hmm. And w- where that runs into being a problem is that white males probably vote in favor of hunting, like just in general, right? Like that, yep. that's in general, we're going to skew that direction. What we need is more women. We need more Latinos. We need more blacks. We need more of any category of people that aren't, you know, a white male. Um, I agree and so completely. Uh, getting, getting more diversity into hunting gets us more voting population and, and, and more buy-in so that when people say, are you in favor of allowing hunting for whatever it is in your state, uh, you know, those rights stay intact. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the, the first thing I'll, I'll say there. Um, the, the other thing that I had a big problem with was that, you know, Matt's probably hunting, let's just say it's elk, uh, but there's only like 700,000 elk hunters in the country. You know, it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's very not representative of the hunting population as a, pole, a whole. You know, we have 15 million hunters in the United States, give or take any year, uh, any given year. And most of them are just... I think it's like nine, eight or nine million of them are hunting deer. Mm-hmm. That's obviously the most popular or popular thing. Then it's yep. turkeys. Yep. And and then there's, I don't know, two or three things in between elk. You go down to Georgia and tell them they need half as many hunters. They're like, <laughs> dude, we're already paying sharpshooters to come in and kill deer yeah. because they're so overpopulated. They're destroying our agriculture, mm-hmm. right? They literally have to pay snipers, professional hunters to come in and, and kill deer in Georgia instead of having a money maker 
they have a deficit. You yeah. know, they're they're having to spend money mm-hmm. because uh, of the problem. So you can't just blanket um, state stuff like that. And um, you know, if you talk to people like the Council to Advance the Hunting and Shooting Sports, you know, they'll tell you with the R three initiatives. Um, you know, this is so much more complicated than that. It's mm-hmm. not even down to the state. It's down to the county. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I hunt up here and the deer are just, you know, they're walking through my freaking yard at my house, <laughs> right? And I go down to southeastern Kentucky and I, most of the time I hunt, I don't see a deer. I don't see one. And mm-hmm. I'm looking for them, right? Right. Um, so it's like very so much even county to county mm-hmm. that it's just, you know, generic statements like that aren't helpful. And sadly, there were some people that bought into that because they aren't thinking long term. They're not thinking about the need to vote, the need to be an advocate for it. Yeah. And when you start talking elk hunting, I mean, as I've learned more about elk hunting uh, now, I'm sure there's people that, you know, have elk hunted their whole lives that have got to see more of the changes over the years. But, you know, in relation to the amount of people that are elk hunting, compared to the amount of land that is available and then some of these areas where like you know it's taken 20 preference points in arizona to draw this one gigantic unit with a ton of elk on it and like they're managing for these trophy animals it's like that's where things get really weird too because it starts to become this personal thing for some where it's like well i want less hunters so i can go out and i get more of an opportunity to shoot a big bull or a big buck for that matter or more turkeys and that's when it's like okay is that being selfish or is that actually you know better for hunting well i mean there's probably somewhere in between right it's like obviously you want to manage for things in a way that's sustainable that's absolutely important but at the same time having the people to back it is always going to be very important and i think that you know i hear and this is this is again where like social media and hunting to me just it just rubs me so much the wrong way and obviously i'm i'm invested in that so it's like (laughs) you know it's a part of my life but you know i see often um people start starting to to just talk so much on a personal level and then talk about how like want to talk down on new hunters like one of the things that disgusts me the most is like people that are like yeah well if i hear one more thing about adult onset hunters it's like okay well lucky you your grandpa hunted lucky me my grandpa (laughs) my dad hunted you know like that's my situation but like there's plenty of people i know that are in their 20s 30s 40s or older for that matter that are interested in it and and like how is that okay for us to say ah you shouldn't be a part of this like you're not in the club and it goes back to also just like you know why is it just men why is it just white men that hunt (laughs) it's like well you're not in the club and like that's lame that's a stupid mentality to have and i think that i shouldn't say that's a stupid mentality i shouldn't say that i don't want to say yeah, we can we can get pretty close to that though it's a, it's it, a bad mentality it's, clo- it's close-minded it's very close-minded yeah. and that, yeah. i think you know just to look at it from a lot of different perspectives you know i'm not I mean, saying it's like, look when, when i go to the lake or i go out to hunt you're right i love not seeing anybody that's awesome. ideally <laughs> like, but i don't i don't want that to be forever because it's it's if if nobody else is buying licenses 
and the that we can't afford to pay biologists mm-hmm. and that biologist is really important to understand uh, how many animals we're allowed to take a year and yeah. if they can't do their work then no one can decide uh, what the quota is going to be on whitetail or or whatever it is you're doing or you know all of this kind of rolls downhill from there and it all starts with people the volume of people that buy licenses if your state can't get the funding through the licenses and they also have to i don't fully understand this with the pittman robertson act and and dingle johnson but there are there are there's certain amount of revenue they have to unlock to be able to unlock those funds too yeah all this stuff rolls downhill man and if the what it comes down to is participation and without participation you will not be hunting or fishing in 10 years, well, right? Like there's it. even, go oh, sorry, I was just going to, I ahead. was going to say there was an NPR story a few years ago about the importance of hunting. I know people are like, what? But really NPR did a story on mm-hmm. the importance of hunting. And in that article, they even cited a study from five years before that, maybe 10 years before that, that predicted that by 2050, Wisconsin would not have hunting, period. Wisconsin. I mean, when you think about how, how popular hunting is in that state. Oh, and, I, and it's oh I, make, I make, I, I actually very commonly make jokes about, like totally joking about how obsessed Wisconsin specifically is about their hunting. So yeah, that is crazy yeah. to think because- But as a voting population, they they're they're on pace to lose that right so this is where when people are like ah oh, i wish there, it's too crowded out here and it's like well you could be out here mountain biking and that'd be all you're allowed to do well that's, you know or whatever it is <laughs> that's the thing that i think about is you know okay um for example colorado where i'm a resident right now there's you you go out onto public land there's gonna be recreational hikers yeah. mountain bikers climbers i mean everything right yeah so imagine if that number starts to get so much more skewed towards the hikers being, you know, the majority. Well, if all of a sudden the hikers well outnumber the hunters, even though, you know, we know realistically that there's plenty of room to do both, especially in an area like Colorado or any western state for that matter or in the Appalachians for that matter. Yep. Um, even though we know there's plenty of room to participate in both activities if we suddenly are the massive minority well they're going to have any sort of uh um they're going to have the leverage when it comes to hey can can we do both well if they want to say no then they're just you know they're going to have the leverage and yeah i think there's an interesting argument out there about the backpack tax law which is it was so far from the topic that uh you signed up to talk to me about right? yeah, we, I, I mean, know we're supposed to talk to social but this is what i always do <laughs> i think but it's like, great I, I think it's interesting that like you have all these outdoor recreationists that don't pay in at all yeah you know maybe they buy a backcountry permit here and there but i i a lot of these companies that and i'm not going to name names but a lot of these manufacturers for outdoor companies that a lot of hunters would call green, greeny companies, you know, mm-hmm. granola. That's a popular yeah. insult, um, which I like <laughs> granola. I don't really understand that. But, uh, you know, uh, I had a little granola on my yogurt this morning. It was a great way to start my day. But, uh, you know, the, those, these granola companies, um, a lot of them are hyper opposed to this because mm-hmm. it's gonna, obviously going to eat into their margin or they have to increase their prices and then consumers will get mad, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I'm like, you guys say that you're all about conservation and that you're all about giving back. But it's really only on your terms. Yeah. Like you, they, they won't, you know, a lot of, you know, hunters volunteered our our money back after market hunting. We said, hey, we got to fix this, which means we got to fund it. Mm-hmm. Right. I've never seen any companies 
there's or not any, I shouldn't say any, there are very few of the outdoor rec companies that will advocate for a backpack tax. And all a backpack tax is, is what it sounds like. It'd be like the Pittman Robertson of backpacks or camping gear. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their arguments are so stupid. They say, well, we can't determine if you bought that backpack to go hiking or if you just bought it to use as a backpack. And it's like, who the hell cares? If the point is to help out nature and to give back, like, why do you need to qualify that? Yeah. You know, it's well, like, it's, it's the same it's thing such with a, buying a firearm. We can't, we can't, uh, be sure that you're going to just target shoot or you're going to hunt with it, but that doesn't, oh, target shooting that doesn't by matter. far outpaces hunting on, on Pittman Robertson act. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's just a known thing and, you know, gun, gun nuts, probably a lot of them probably don't even know where, why they're getting hit with the, they probably don't even know that, that charge is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I used to know the stat of how, what the difference was, but it's huge. I mean, cause the shooting industry is so much bigger. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's it's massive, you know, mm-hmm. out the, those recreationists spend and which is why, you know, a lot of, um, during COVID and the supply chain shortage, that's why hunting grounds became even harder to find because, you know, a guy buys uh, a 30 out six once a year, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas your target mm-hmm. shooters, you know, it's you, every time it's on sale on cheaper than dirt, right? It's yeah. like, you know, they're, they're, they're buying rounds. So, uh, you know, manufacturers said, well, we're just going to stop making that one for a while because these self-defense rounds or these target rounds are just going out the door. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's all the same material. So let's just put it all into the, these rounds. So that's why hunting rounds, you know, people kind of got in a little bit of a tight spot the last couple of years is because because it is so popular. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess to kind of su- circle back to the populated on public land specifically thing or populated on, you know, the resource in general. I I will say I definitely feel impact of like popularity of public land hunting. And I look at what we do often and, and you know, f- look at it from different perspectives and try to say, you know, is this all positive? And I think for the most part, yes. But then at the same time from like that personal and the, when the selfish starts to come in, I do start to sometimes feel like, man, if those assholes at YouTube, on YouTube weren't making all those public land hunting videos, you know, it'd be a lot easier to find a place where we weren't overrun with people. But that's my selfish opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm not to, not to say, too, that like when we're talking about that uh, um, opinion that we need less hunters, not to say that that doesn't kind of come into my brain sometimes. It definitely does. Because there's definitely... Like there's certain places that I used to hunt that I would never step foot on now just because I know that, you know, there's a lot more people there than there was even four years oh, ago, you know? Dude, so I have this thing on opening day of gun season. Before 8 a.m. Um, around that time, I always count how many gunshots I hear because that's right at daybreak, right? As soon as legal shooting light hits, it's like pow, pow, pow. Again, I'm hunting in a very densely populated area of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it... I think the record prior to 2020 was 43 shots in it. And that's a lot, right? Yeah. It's like, that's a lot. And this, I can, these doesn't mean they're here, but right. it, within earshot, I got heard 40. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is rolling Hills. So it's not like, like there's not the sound barriers I would have back home. Yeah. With 2020, I heard, I think it was like 200 shots. 
it like that much totally of an of increase water. yeah yeah and and some of these were obvious new hunters like pow 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 <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but at the same time i'm like well there's probably like dads out with kids and there's there's three does standing out there and they probably shot all of them and one of them started running and they started shooting like crazy like a lot of it's not like 200 deer died that right, morning right. right there but at the same time i've i'm like well I've had instances where the target deer I had on camera, I watched him run over a hill, got shot. Um, I heard the shot, like, and and I knew exactly what part of the property because there's, I knew there's a blind a quarter mile that way. Yeah. Um, you know, so like there, there's been that aspect of it, and then I've had like the safety thought of like, you got all these new people out here shooting. Um, I wonder if they know to make sure your bullet's going to land in a, on the ground. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Right? I, I don't want somebody shooting a skylit buck and it ends up in my head because yeah. there's you're sitting up in a tree stand and it's like uh, you start having those thoughts when you're hearing all these gunshots. And it, I got in my own head one morning. I was like, this this is crazy. You know, I was, I was kind of freaking out. Um, I think that, well, I said it wrong. I think it was 100 shots before the morning and throughout the day I heard another 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, more than doubled in the morning, and I heard 200 shots throughout the day mm-hmm. on, in 2020, and I ended up killing a, a deer that, that day. And then I found out, I always call that my COVID buck because I found out I had COVID uh, oh. later after I shot it. Um, <laughs> That's kinda, but, you know, selfishly, wild. it's like I, I've, I've seen it go from probably 50 shots throughout the day to 200 where I hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, last year there was still a good buck, a couple good bucks on my property. That's a crazy story. Uh, we could tell uh but you know i ended up with the deer that i i I basically had this target deer i was chasing so there was still good deer there despite all this pressure and i saw it that morning and to what i was saying he walked out and i was tracking him and i only had about a 10 yard window but where before he was skylit and i could i was gonna be shooting into somebody else's property at that point yep and so i couldn't shoot that deer and then he walked over the hill and i thought he got shot that day but he ended up getting is like a week later but i was so mad and i'm like you're an idiot you don't even have meat in the freezer why are you holding out because i thought it was an eight point and it turned out to be this big 11 i'd been chasing <laughs> and so I, I beat myself up for like four hours in the tree stand it's like that nasty like high 30 degree spitting rain yep. like you'd you'd rather it just snow at that point exactly and so i just sat there miserable and then i ended up this little doe pops up and she she walks across uh and i'm so mad at myself i'm like i'm shooting this deer because i need meat in the freezer right and so she comes out she stops and it's so windy she can't hear me and i'm like meh you know trying to get her to stop <laughs> and, and i finally go meh <laughs> and this deer stops i shoot it 112 yards and uh it runs over the hill and i'm like all right all right i feel better i got some meat in the freezer i walked over the hill it took a long time to find her um but she she had ran like couple hundred yards over this hill it was a little spike buck and I, so i accidentally cashed out my kentucky tag because i only get one buck tag dude so i walked down i'm like i'm like patting her on the side i'm like thanks girl like i, I wouldn't even told anybody i said that but i was like real grateful you know i yeah. got food and then I, I flipped her head up to just get a look at her and i see these two little spikes sticking up and they're they're just big enough to qualify and i had passed on that deer six times in bow season so Anyways, I tell that stupid story just to say, like, I, I, I knew I had good deer. Even with all the pressure, I still had good deer. And, um, you know, it's kind of like you just got to roll with it. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to shoot a little spike. And it's, well, and it's here's like, another you know, thing. Here's another thing that, like, people don't talk about with pressure is it comes and goes in waves, is my opinion. Because while I've seen an increase in some areas, 
I've seen a decrease in other areas. It's mm-hmm. almost like these certain spots of the country almost get forgotten. And I won't bring up any specifics to get people moving. You can you send know. me coordinates later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it is hilarious how like, you know, oh, this popped up and all of a sudden you can watch this happen. And this thing becomes really popular. Like one that's really popular right now is Colorado elk hunting, which it always has been, but it, it continues to become more popular. Part of the reason is, is you can get online and you can watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos about that real and, and see all the success. And you're like, well, why wouldn't I go do that? And then by all means, go do it. But that's not to say there's not other parts of the country that are getting overlooked because everybody's looking at Colorado from September you know, 2nd till the 30th. Well, if that's the case, then somewhere out there in elk country, there's a void of hunters, you know, and I think that it's the same thing in the deer world where, you know, there's kind of these hot spots and there's these places that everybody's looking at and that changes over the years because all of a sudden, you know, it got really popular to hunt on, um, let's say, let's just, I mean, Iowa is an easy one because, um, that's kind of one of the more popular big buck states, I'd say. Well, all of a sudden, everybody goes to Iowa. And for a whole bunch of years, people really focus on that, five, ten years. And everybody starts hunting the same areas. And then as that happens, year in and year out, and people start to see, ah, you know, maybe this isn't all that it was cracked up to be. Now I'm bumping into people every time I come out here. Or maybe even a state that you can get a tag in easier, like in Kansas. Well, actually, when I really get to looking at it, there's not all that much public land. And every time I come out here, there's people everywhere. Well, maybe I'll go somewhere else. And I think that starts to happen. So it kind of comes and goes in waves, too. So whenever people start talking about that or I start to let that kind of get in my head a little bit, it's like, well, I know that there's actually all these places that I could go that nobody's even talking about. And I know they'd be good because I've turkey hunted there or... I've just traveled through, and it's like you can look and say, "Well, that's really not that much different than over." It's across been the that state way line. for all of humanity, uh, always, though. Yes, you know, it's like you go read Daniel Boone's, uh, you know, John Farragher's. I think is the guy that wrote the the uh, biography I read, and he talked about how he would obviously chase the game, mm-hmm. and this is the market hunting days. A lot of that book kind of makes me sick to think about how short sighted uh, basically the white man was. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're over here killing out populations and the Native Americans are like, uh, hello, you guys are going to, there's nothing going to be left. Yeah. But in that book, they talk about how, uh, you know, a lot, once they crossed into Kentucky and were pursuing game, um, a lot of times they wouldn't pursue it because the Native Americans were, were so thick and like they, they were attacking them and it's like, okay, overpopulated, right? It's, like, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to back off of this area yep. or or they would be sparse areas that they would come into and they had to move for the game. You know, this has always been the the issue. The problem is now, like you said, there's YouTube, there's Netflix, Stephen Nanella goes and turkey hunts and I'm sure more people turkey hunted that next year. I you know, it's like, I guarantee it. it you yeah. know, well. so... Um, these these things happen, and I think there's obviously bad that come with sh- social media. Mm-hmm. You know, to Matt's point, I, there were some things that Matt Ranella shared that I agreed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think we got to like really be aware that we're all PR representatives for hunting, and yeah. you know, there's somebody watching your profile that probably doesn't hunt, but they might vote for it one day. Yeah, and and that's like that's what it all comes down to. You know, we got to accept that. The other thing too, Zach, that that Daniel Boone didn't deal with was uh, the development. You know, I, I've watched my area where I live here in town 
turn from habitat to condos and uh, it, you yeah. know it's uh, the sprawl is real dude and we're killing habitat every day and um i see people uh, I, I deleted almost every social media app i had uh, all my accounts and everything but when i was on next door there would be all these entitled old ladies complaining about all the coyotes that are here now and it's like i lived here for 20 years and never saw one they're so overpopulated now and it's like or all of their habitat has been squeezed yeah. you know uh, now there probably are more of them because coyotes are like badass survivors yeah. i mean really when you look like but like at the end of the day you know the uh, i'm starting to see more deer in my yard too now and that maybe the population's up but they also just don't have the habitat they have oh, yeah. before well, so that's the other thing is that a lot of hunting land that a lot of private farms that people had they're now going up in their condos their, their malls mm -hmm. you know that's that's a reality too that very few people talk about yeah. um uh, i think but, it, to me it's it's the number one concern aside from like losing outright the ability to go the next the the, the next concern is is habitat loss and like i got um, I've got a growing interest constantly in just how, you know, how to take what land we do have left and continue to improve it. But also just keeping what we have is, is so important because, I mean, Colorado is a great example. I constantly am looking at what is sprawling from, you know, the front range in general. And it's like, man, here we had this like pretty amazing landscape where the great plains met the rocky mountains and now all it is is just town yeah. you know it's yeah. just it's just human well and, and you guys deal with um with with your bigger species you know bears and elk and um I don't know as much about sheep, but I believe some of this probably impacts like the further north you go, but migration corridors, oh, totally. right? I mean, that's, that's a huge packed factor in urban sprawl is before they, you know, that's, that's where like my biggest argument against people that are anti-hunting and they say, you don't need to manage wildlife. I'm like, well, you can't take their habitat take their migration corridors and then say like, Hey, this isn't our problem. Oh, you know, yeah. it's like, well, we kind of, we kind of do have to think about this stuff. And you know, there are areas that need to be thinned out because it does create human casualty because you know, all of a sudden you've got deer running out in front of cars. I mm -hmm. mean, it was like 200 people a year die from deer. They cause billions of dollars in property damage because of this. Um, and that's because they're not managed well in those areas, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's a, the the court the migration corridors are a really big yeah. issue. Well, and it's it, talk. You talked about um, just how ever, like we affect so much. We and that's that's the reality. We affect every piece of land that's existing already. We've we kind of ruin everything. Yeah, we just <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've touched it right. We've 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 changed the landscape over the years we've created more edge where there wasn't as much edge in some places and you know got rid of some edge where there, there where there was more edge and, and you change all those factors and it's going to manipulate populations we are changing the population whether we're hunting or not yeah. period like we're yeah we're creating habitat in weird places we're destroying habitat and you know traditional traditionally great habitat places but we're constantly changing these things and unless you're being proactive about it all of a sudden you're going to start making these mistakes and neglect it and it's going to be too far gone and then it's going to take way more work than it would have just been in the first place and i just i 
to, to sit here and say, you know, deer should just live out in the wild and just be left alone and, you know, let the, let the habitat just grow. It's like, okay, well, invasive species, you know, Oh yeah. Habitat destruction, habitat, you know, change with things like invasive species or just the amount of edge or native habitat that's gone. I mean, you can go down the line. We've affected that in a way that at this point, we have to continue to manage it or it's going to get out of hand, not just from a hunting standpoint, but from like plants, you know, just in general life. Oh, dude, it, all, it all rolls down. It all rolls downhill, man. Um, I've, I've quit treating my yard because I firmly believe that it's, it's absolutely decimating our bird populations mm-hmm. and my neighbors hate me. I'm sure because I have uh, a lot of native plants growing in my front yard that are not, you know, grass. Um, the, but you know, all this stuff matters. And I even, you know, just got back from vacation. I was trying to explain to my son, he was asking why, um, they were, uh, there was like work on the side of the road and it would kind of like gotten grown up and he was asking about that. And I was like, well, a lot of states have figured out that they completely crush their pollinator, uh, habitats and they're trying to fix it. And it's probably too late. Yeah. Like we've completely screwed up the monarch, um, migration, uh, and, and now, you know, uh, like a lot of things in the environment, we're trying to fix these. And I'm like, I want him to be aware of that because yeah. he's, he's our only hope, right? Well, like, you know, getting totally. the kids, my kids generation, uh, probably by the time he's too old, will have probably killed off several, like Lord knows how many species because of all the things we're talking about, the neglect, you know, hunting is such a small fraction of, of humans impact on animals. Well, I'm back to the social media thing. You know, I've got a cousin and um, my girlfriend's niece and nephews, and they are all influenced by social media more and more and more and more, and that's their entire life. Where like you and I grew up as it started and has evolved to what it is today. That's their today you know that's their yeah. childhood that's their entire life it's gonna have been influence on them and if you think about how much kids are impacted especially if we take that number of hunting hunters down we try to reduce the number of hunters we try to you know bicker and about hunting and you know if if you don't give it a good name if you don't get more people involved in it then you know who and, and social media is censoring it for kids and they can't even see it. Well, then why would they, like you said, we've been talking about the whole time. Why would they stand for it? Why would they vote for it? And I feel like you start looking at future generations and it's like, we just got to be on top of this and, and, you know, not be playing defense and try to almost switch to playing a little bit more offense. It seems like just keep getting people involved. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of. You know, that's always been our mission is to get more people involved because, you know, if you don't, then it's going to go away at some point. It's just, it's just fact. If nobody's doing it anymore, then why is it around? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, that's what I've always liked that about you guys. And I've heard uh, some quotes from Aaron and stuff, read some interviews that, you know, you guys are always trying to 
be good advocates for for hunting to get more people involved i think you get it um you know the you mentioned something a minute ago of the adult onset hunter which i've always uh i'll never forget nicole qualtieri from uh she was previously i don't know where she's gone now but she was with gear junkie the hunting editor there mm-hmm. and she told me she's like you know i really hate that term because it sounds like a disease <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so i've tried to stop using it but after she told me that um but you know whatever you want to call it a a adult hunter uh, someone who's learning to hunt later in life is what we're talking about yeah and you know the thing we've tried to do and you guys try to do is to give a place where you can go and what's funny is when i i didn't mention the part of i didn't really dig into how much i sucked at kentucky whitetail and i was googling (laughs) this stuff and i end up in a forum and i'm reading about like deer hunting for a while and i'm like oh Man, they're talking about mule deer hunting. Totally different. And I read for a while, and I'm like, oh, wait, we don't have cacti. This is Texas whitetail hunting, which is totally different. Uh-huh. And it just took me forever to be able to – like, I never really did get good help. And, you know, when we started Go Wild, a lot of it was to help those people who didn't have parents or grandparents to be able to teach them. Or maybe they had them, and, they, they you know – not everybody's grandpa's a slayer. They may right. not have any idea. Right. They may be mediocre at best at hunting, right? They yep. just always like to go out and sit and drink coffee in the morning in a tree. Yep. And so we really wanted to have a place where people could go and turn to more easily because that's like if you're in New York and in New York City and you get into hunting and you know you're very close it's not a far drive to go out no. and be able to but, but but like who do you even go to right? right? That's a lot of what we've tried to do is from a social media perspective my goal is not to replace Facebook. It's to give some, be a platform where yep. people can, you know, con- turn to just like you guys, and to be able to to learn from easily. You know, that's why like things like our near me would help that guy in New York. You know, you can go in, boom, hit near me. Everybody in your state or within 100 miles of you, you can ask questions, and you know, features like that I think are going to be really important for helping educate people, trying to you know just raise the bar of the overall hunter hunting iq and fishing iq Mm -hmm. uh, you know trying to make people smarter i know it teaches this platform has taught me a ton from i mean i've i've gotten significantly better at whitetail hunting turkey hunting um even last year this year in turkey season i've always morning hunted birds and with my lifestyle i've kind of realized now with kids uh, that i evening hunts are actually way better because yeah. i'm not ditching my wife with school drop-offs and everything so i started going out at like four o'clock and it was awesome mm-hmm. um but i was going the first time i did this i posted on go out and i was like hey i have no idea what i'm doing i should i do the same setup or what i had like four responses in an hour that were a paragraph long and i did that game uh plan and i actually did get a bird in and I shot at him and uh, missed him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not my finest hour. Uh, I think I actually hit, uh, I looked like three times to make sure there was nothing in between us. Uh-huh. But it was right at 50 yards. And I think there was like something, because I hit the bird, but it was like, it, you could just tell it didn't have the momentum. Mm-hmm. So I think I hit like a sapling or something in between us. But anyways, I, I got this nice Tom in based off of the setup and the you know the pace changes and everything and i had never done that before Mm -hmm. and i learned that on the fly man from the couch yeah that's freaking cool yeah it's like you guys dude it's freaking cool when i started this in 2016 i was trying to find these resources i was ending up on um old forums and you know the ones you've seen them Uh, like it's like 
awful though. The technology was awful. I'm like, I just want to know which of you guys were in my area. Or or now though, I have like like you guys weren't around. The born and raised guys. Meat eater was not what it is now. Right. And you know, uh, um, it's kind of it's really cool. There's been a lot of innovation in content and in technology in the hunting and fishing space since then. Mm -hmm. I, I tell people that now, and everybody lives short term. It's like they don't remember what YouTube was like for hunters in 2016. Oh, but yeah. It, I remember the videos that me and some of my buddies used to watch, and they were cringy. Yeah. You know, like and, real bad, mm -hmm. like handy cam type shot stuff. Um, and a lot of it was like that old traditional, like, try to kill 200-inch deer type stuff. Yeah. It wasn't as much like common man. Like, if you want to go watch a guy kill 200-inch deer, that's fine. Sure. But I'd rather learn how to kill, like, consistently 150s. Well, I mean, it's just, it's so... Um, it's so dependent on where you're at because it's like, you know, if you live in the mountains of North Carolina or Virginia or Georgia or Kentucky for that matter, it's like your hunting style is going to be so much different than what was easily available up until really just a few years ago on any free platform, like any yeah. on demand thing. You couldn't just look up hunting in the mountains of Georgia, especially not in 2016, like you're saying. And, and to me, that's what is really, it's, it's actually my personal main interest is to continue to go around the country and understand different hunting perspectives and different strat, you know, different, um, um, landscapes, because that's going to change a lot of how you hunt, right? It's going to change yeah. a lot about what your goals are. And that's always been, you know, an interest is like, well, we could go to Iowa where there's a whole bunch of deer, a whole bunch of big bucks and make cool videos. But how relatable at the end of the day is that to somebody in a, you know, 12 hours away that's right. still hunting the same animal, but, you know, there's so many... There's so f many less deer per square mile. It's like, well, the strategies that are working in this place don't necessarily work here. And that's why I like to keep moving, doing different stuff, hunting in these different states, because you constantly are learning about yeah. how they move and how you need to adjust based off where you are. And, and you know, you were talking about um, just finding stuff to learn from and 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 how that, you know, there's a lot of people that are using social media to learn about hunting, I guess. And I take for granted, I'm super guilty of this. I take for granted all the things that, you know, I've learned over the years where yeah. if you were to take all the experience away, which I've been listening to my family members from the time I could you know, recognize what words were, talk about bow hunting, bow hunting yeah. deer and calling in turkeys. So it's like, yeah. you know, forever I've been gaining little bits of experience and constantly now, like there's not, a, like I said, not a day goes by. I'm not thinking about it. I take that for granted when I think about somebody whose interest is. The whole industry does. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, you think about how easy it is to say like, oh, like, well, you know, everybody knows how to just like go buy a hunting license. It's like, 
actually, when you think about it, that example you used earlier of somebody that's in New York City that wants to go hunting, it's like, in reality, it isn't that challenging to do. But if you've never done it before, you don't even know the steps that you need to take to oh, get God, there. Oh, God, dude. Like, the point systems, I applied oh, um, yeah. last year for the first time for an Out West tag. And I was like, good Lord, I don't know how to do this at all. You know, you go to, um, I, I like to, if I can fish on a vacation, I, I will. I know I'm not good at fishing, but I, I like to try. <laughs> Um, but you know, trying to figure out what tags you need when you're out of state, it's really challenging. Like all that stuff is an uphill mm -hmm. battle. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the more I think you can, you guys can travel and give somebody that piece of content when they Google their state and hunting, they can learn by watching you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, what's cool about your video. It's kind of in the moments type stuff. Um, and you know, I, I always tell people, um, a lot of what I think we're creating is that base level opportunity because you 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 know one of my frustrations when i was trying to learn to deer hunt i knew very little i had never done it before until i was an adult and then the guy i was with wasn't really teaching me as much as more of like sit here and wait and see if it comes in right yeah so um i start reading about this stuff and things that like we all now like i now take for granted of like oh just play the wind and know which stand to sit in what the hell does that mean right <laughs> yeah. think about never like no idea you're like well do i want my scent blowing in front of me or behind me which way are they coming should a crosswind is it no wind if it's too windy should i not hunt you know think about waterfowl hunting yeah. if, like if you didn't know how a duck lands or takes off yep. you would have no idea how to set up and and like people i talk to people and they're like oh well yeah obviously we're going right there it's like well you that's obvious to you now because you've done it so many times you know if you ever go out on a fishing boat uh, th this guy i was just with down in south carolina was amazing he's like well in about 20 minutes these fish will start to move the other direction because the tide's shifting this way so they're going to be an awkward fight for 20 minutes i mean dead on the money like at the very time he said but he's been doing this for 16 yeah, years he's been yeah. a captain you know yeah and i think uh, you know guys guys like yourself and and myself even now talking to newbies it is easy to forget so you, you do got to remember like hey you're going to need to buy a license you can do this at a walmart or you can do it online you're going to need to get these tags you know the like over explaining is what people want yeah and so the more you can do that to help people we, we now write articles for go wild and we'll try to cover like the most elementary of things. And it is so beginner, right? Like trying to really get base level. And we did that with our show Gearbox Talk. And we did it for like a hundred episodes. And finally we kind of like, well, we're gonna change this up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, for a for hundred episodes, we talked to people and I mean like, hey, what does it mean to conceal carry? What does it mean to, you're, you're, okay, you're gonna go hunt hogs. What do you even need to do that, yeah, right? Like the base so, level. That's so important because it's like, if you don't have any of that experience, you don't even know where to begin. And I, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's so easy to forget that. Well, exa prime example, whitetail hunting. People are like, all right, you go out and scout. It's like, cool, what am I looking for? <laughs> like, well, you know, deer activity trails. So you're like, okay, cool, uh, what else? Like, well, rubs, what the hell's a rub? Like, <laughs> right, we, you would have no, right. we, we use all this lingo yeah. and it's just, you know, it rolls off the tongue when, but literally when I started, I try to keep that in mind because I really had a hard time because I didn't have that base level of 30% knowledge. I was buying the magazines, I'm reading all this stuff online. And I was just really struggling because I, I, I wanted to know or learn, but I didn't grow up with my dad talking about whitetail hunting. You know, mm -hmm. I, my dad still knows near, next. I don't even know if he's ever been whitetail hunting still. Um, you know, actually this year was supposed to be the first year I got to go and I didn't get to. And then that dude shot the deer I was actually targeting. I told you it was killed a week later. Yep. It was shot from the stand that I was going to be in. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, you know, so I, I think, um, you know, the more anybody can share that knowledge when you get to kind of pull it off full circle, we've talked about being an advocate 
people are like, well, I don't know what to post. I didn't, I didn't even kill anything this year. It's like share those things in the field, share as you see stuff like that, share the, how you cook food and how you prepare a game. Mm-hmm. You know, God, I wish more people shared how to prepare a game. Cause there's some real bad videos out there on, on butchering animals and just horrible things, things that I did before I learned better. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what we try to do at go out is just build a platform that facilitates all this stuff. You know, if you're just in the ecosystem, um, it's the same as if you're listening to the hunting public, you know, you're, you're, you're absorbing through somebody else's experience. We just build a platform to do it because can't wait on Facebook to do it, man. Yeah. They're yeah. not, they're not going to give it to you. Yeah. YouTube's exactly. not going to all of a sudden roll out features for hunters. You know, it's just <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell everybody that's listening a little bit about how they can be a part of go wild that way they can join that community as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, a couple of quick things about what we are. We've talked about us as a social platform. There, everything with the learning, you know, is there. It takes a little bit of work. Obviously, you got to connect with people just like you do with any other platform. But what's cool is you'll onboard in like 90 seconds. So you go to downloadgowild.com or you can search for Go Wild in the App Store. You create an account and pretty much instantaneously, you're going to see content. You don't have to build up the followers to see content because you're going to pick the topics. So those topics are called trails. And when you onboard, you'll just start seeing stuff immediately. And you can tap the little radar button up at the top and that's going to put people near you. It's going to find people that are local to you. And now all of a sudden you're seeing like, if you want to go into deer hunting and local content, you know, depending on the area, most areas at this point, we got quite a bit of content coming through. So um, that's kind of like that whole concept of learning is kind of the first thing I'll mention. We have um, a, sh- a lot of really cool sharing capabilities that you don't have on other platforms. You, As you share on Go Wild, you're getting points, right? So we have this reward system that's built in that I'll talk about in a second. But if you come back from a scouting trip and you scouted for five hours, you can come back, you can uh, share how long you scouted for, you can say you were scouting, and you can tag the gear you use. So these are my hunting boots I use. And now what's cool is like a big part of the, we didn't talk about it, but a big factor in anything is what gear do I use, right? Mm -hmm. So what's cool about the platform as you're scrolling through, you're seeing all the gear that people are using in the field. And we're working on making this to the point to where, like, if you just want to see the most popular gear for deer hunters, you'll be able to go to Go Wild and have that. We're hoping to have that by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I won't talk too much about that product, but, like, that's where it's all going. But even if you look at a product and you're looking at um, these Irish Setter boots, and you'll see all the content that's tagged to that product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that, it's kind of communal sharing. That's the concept, is everybody's sharing for the good of the community and to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also share trophies. So this is one of the most popular things to do because it's gonna pin your trophy to your, your story. So you can go to my profile and you can see that spike buck because I logged him as a trophy because <laughs> we encourage everybody to share everything yep. that they get, right? Yep. Uh, you can log does, right? People, A lot of people don't think of a doe as a trophy, but we try to get you to share your freezer queens mm-hmm. um you can log bluegill bass there's 240 species and we're adding them all the time to where you can share and be able to tell how you're using you get points for that stuff and as those points build up it's it's a reward system that you're unlocking um gift cards you're unlocking discounts you get free stuff like pretty mm-hmm. much out of the gate you get a free sticker and you get ten dollars just for signing up for the account probably just should have started the podcast with that like hey oh, i'm going to give you 10 dollars it, it starts with it starts with that i read i read about this every time <laughs> yeah perfect so, so people know yeah, uh, people yeah have so an you idea at least yeah so you do get 10 bucks for signing up creating an account and that'll go to your awards but like literally just from posting your deer you know post a few deer that you've shot or turkeys or whatever you're going to build up some points and unlock some rewards you know we have um 
these are always changing, so forgive me, guys, if the, these are wrong. But, uh, you know, we've had 50% off Vortex items at, in the past, 25% off Vortex. We had uh, $100 off a of Garmin Zero Bosite at one point. <laughs> like, there are some sweet yeah. deals you can unlock. You can get Go Wild trophy or Go Wild stickers, uh, shirts, hats, like all kinds of awesome stuff. But it's all as you share. You don't do all that at once. Like as you build up, you get you get things along the way. So um, it's just it's a really it's a fun community. A lot of people that have been there for a while, they kind of start to call it a family. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get to know people. I mean, we just did a big uh, outdoor music festival, so we had archery competition, a bunch of brands on site, and. Uh, we had people from like 13 different states come in for this thing and it was cool man i'm meeting Mm -hmm. people that i've like they've been on the app since we came out or or they've been on like just last six months and you're getting people there that were driving from all the way to kentucky from either colorado or texas or arkansas we had people from wisconsin and michigan you know they drove 20 hours some of them to come to this thing and um it really felt like a family seeing these people in person it's like a little reunion you know, you're getting to put the face together with the avatar that you've seen share a hundred yeah. bass over the last year or whatever it is. So um, if people haven't tried it, you know, what's the what's the harm? You're getting 10 bucks, you go spend it and you can never use it again if you don't like it. Yep. But, you know, um, download GoWild.com or just go out in the app stores. And if you want to follow us anywhere, we're uh, GoWild app. Yep. And we also have like right at the top in every description of every podcast, there's a link there too. So you can click that if you want to take the easy route too basically probably yeah, the, right in front of you right now <laughs> the other thing yeah the other thing i'll say is uh when anybody creates an account they get an automated message it is automated from me but uh if you respond back and i would love to hear that you guys heard it through this interview with zach here and you know i like to talk to people so tell me what you like if you have feedback i think people are surprised that a founder messages them um, and a lot of people are like, are you a robot? And I'll respond with a little robot uh, gift or something, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but like, it is me that responds to you. I don't pay somebody else to do that. So please, um, you know, let me know that you heard about me, heard about it through the show. Um, say hi. I get a lot of people that heard about it through the ads. Uh, you, you guys are a popular response. Well, yeah, I've heard about it for two months on the hunting public, decided <laughs> to finally try it. So, That's awesome. Uh, advertising works right but you know i i really like once i do an interview to tell people like hey you're going to get a message within 24 hours please do reply back because it's cool for me to get to talk to people who heard the interview and they can you know tell me how they disagreed with everything i said or or whatever you know brad it's hilarious you said that you like to talk to people and i could tell just from the podcasts and videos that i've watched and listened to you i'm like yeah, he likes to talk to people. This should be a pretty hilarious conversation because we're going to be able to just go on for yeah. hours, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's like the southeastern Kentucky in me, man. Like there's a there's all these songwriters coming out of Kentucky right now. You got Tower Childers, Chris Stapleton, uh, Sturgill Simpson, Cole Chaney, who headlined at our festival. And uh, there's something about being from that area. You just learn to story tell. And I, as I said, I'm a journalist. I like telling stories. So uh, it's in my blood, I guess. Yeah, it must have seeped into Ohio, too, because... Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, man, I feel like I just, it's one of those things that I, I think that it can go both ways. It has its pros and its cons. Sometimes all of a sudden I'm like, man, I got to stop talking because I'm not getting anything accomplished that I really, <laughs> really was yeah. planning on today. But it's, yeah, it's, man. it's, it's got its pros and its cons, but man, it's yep. been, it's been a lot of fun. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it too, man. Uh, hopefully people made it past the first five minutes of my mic <laughs> rattling around. So, Yeah, I'm sure that won't be that big of an issue. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, dude. It was, it was awesome to be on here. I'm honored to be on, on y'all's podcast. Really cool. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you later, man. Yep.